0: You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of If you would like to discuss today's reading, I invite you to head over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and you can share your own reflections on today's reading and interact with other listeners and followers. Now, let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her holy example in life and wish to be taught by her today. Today is day number 165. We are reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 18, Paragraphs 573-577. to Chapter 18. Most Holy Mary and Joseph distribute the gifts received from the Magi, and they remain in Bethlehem until their departure for the presentation of the infant Jesus in the temple, 573. After the departure of the three kings and after the due celebration of the great mystery of the adoration of the infant Jesus, there was really nothing to wait for in the poor yet sacred place, and they were free to leave it. The most prudent mother then said to St. Joseph, My master and spouse, the offerings which the kings have made to our God and child must not remain here idle, but they must be applied in the service of his majesty, and should be used according to his will and pleasure." I deserve nothing even of temporal goods. Dispose of all these gifts as belonging to my son and to thee. The most faithful of husbands answered with his accustomed humility and courtesy that he would leave all to her and would be pleased to see her dispose of them. But her majesty insisted anew and said, Since thou makest an excuse of humility, my master do it then for love of the poor who are waiting for their share. They have a right to the things which their heavenly Father has created for their sustenance. They, therefore, immediately concluded to divide the gifts into three parts, one destined for the temple of Jerusalem, namely the incense and myrrh, as well as part of the gold. Another part as offering to the priest who had circumcised the child in order that he might use it for himself and for the synagogue or oratory in Bethlehem, and the third part for distribution among the poor. This resolve they executed with generous and fervent affection. 5.74 The Almighty made use of a poor but honorable and pious woman to be the occasion of their leaving the cave. She had come a few times to visit our queen, for the house in which she lived was built up against the wall of the city, not far from the cave. Sometime later this devout woman, not being aware of what had happened, but having heard the rumor of the king's coming held a conversation with Most Holy Mary and asked her whether she had heard that some wise men, who were said to be kings, had come from far seeking the Messiah. The heavenly princess, aware of the good disposition of this woman, took occasion to instruct her and catechise her in the common belief, without revealing to her the hidden sacrament connected with herself and the sweetest child whom she held in her arms. In order to relieve her poverty, she gave her some of the gold destined for the poor." Thereby, the condition of this fortunate woman was much improved, and she became attached with heart and soul to her teacher and benefactress. She invited the holy family to live in her house, and as it was a poor one, it was so much the more accommodated to the founders and builders of holy poverty. The poor woman pleaded with great persistence, and she saw the great inconvenience to which the Most Holy Mary and Joseph of the Child were subject in the cave. The queen did not refuse her offer and answered that she would let her know of her decision. Mary and St. Joseph conferred with each other, and they resolved to leave the cave and lodge in the house of this woman, awaiting there the time of the purification and the presentation in the temple. They did it so much the more willingly, as it afforded them a chance to remain near the cave of the nativity, and also because many people began to frequent the cave on account of the rumor of the visit of the kings, which had been spread about. 575. On account of these and other considerations, Most Holy Mary with St. Joseph and the Sacred Child took leave of the cave, although with tenderest regret. They accepted the hospitality of that fortunate woman, who received them with the greatest charity, and assigned to them the larger portion of her dwelling. The holy angels and ministers of the Most High accompanied them in human forms, which they had always retained. Whenever the heavenly mother and St. Joseph her spouse piously revisited the memorable spots of the sanctuary, they came and went with them as numerous courtiers delegated to their service. Moreover, when the child and his mother took leave of the cave, God appointed an angel as its keeper and watcher, as he had done with the garden of paradise, Genesis 3.24. And this guard remained and does remain to this day, sword in hand at the opening of the cave, and never since then has an animal entered there that this holy angel does not hinder the entrance of hostile infidels, in whose possession this and the other holy places are, is because of the judgment of the Most High, who allows men to execute the designs of his wisdom and justice. This permission would not be necessary if Christian princes were filled with fervent zeal for the honor and glory of Christ, and would seek the restoration of these holy places consecrated by the blood and the labors of the Lord and of his Most Holy Mother." and by the works of our redemption. And even if this would not be possible, there is no excuse for not attending with faithful diligence to the decent keeping of the mysterious places, since nothing is impossible to the believer. Who can overcome the mountains? I was given to understand that the pious devotion and veneration for the Holy Land is one of the most powerful and efficacious means for establishing and confirming Catholic monarchies, And no one can deny that many of their excessive and unnecessary expenses could be avoided by employing their resources in such a pious enterprise, which would be pleasing both to God and to men. For in making such an honest use of their incomes, there is no need of outward justification. 576. The most pure Mary and her spouse, having with her divine child, moved to the dwelling in the vicinity of the cave, remained there until, according to the requirements of the law, she was to be present herself with her firstborn for purification in the temple. For this mystery, the most holy of creatures resolved to dispose herself worthily by a fervent desire of carrying the infant Jesus as an offering to the eternal Father in his temple, by imitating her son and by seeking the adornment and beauty of the great virtues as a worthy offering and victim for the Most High. With this intention, the Heavenly Lady, during the days which still remained until their purification, performed such heroic acts of love, and of all other virtues, that neither the tongue of angels nor of men can explain them. How much less can this be done by a useless and entirely ignorant woman? By sincere piety and devotion, the Christians who dispose themselves by reverent contemplation will merit to feel these mysteries. Judging the more intelligible favors received by the Virgin Mother, they can surmise and imagine the others, which do not fall within the scope of human words. 5.77 5.77 From his very birth, the infant Jesus spoke to his sweetest mother in audible words, for immediately after his birth, as mentioned in the tenth chapter, he said to her, Imitate me, my spouse, make thyself like unto me. This was when they were alone, and although he always spoke to her most plainly, St. Joseph never heard his words until the child was one year of age, when he also spoke to him. Nor did the heavenly lady reveal this secret, for she understood that it was only for her. The conversations of the infant God were such as were worthy of the greatness of his majesty and his infinite power, such as were befitting the most pure and holy, the most wise and prudent of all creatures next to himself, and one who was his true mother. Sometimes he said, My dove, my chosen one, my dearest mother, Canticle 210, and such caressing words as were contained in the canticles and other continual interior intercourse, The most holy son and mother passed their time, and in these the heavenly princes received favors, and was delighted by caresses so sweet and loving as exceed those of the canticles of Solomon, and greater ones than all the just and holy souls enjoyed from the beginning to the end of the world. Many times during these mysteries of his love, the infant Jesus repeated these words already mentioned, Make thyself like unto me, my mother and my dove as they were words of life and infinite power, and as Most Holy Mary at the same time was furnished with the infused knowledge of all the interior operations of the soul of her only begotten, no tongue can declare nor thought can comprehend the effects wrought in the most candid and inflamed heart of this mother of the God-man. This concludes our reading today for day number 165. We've been reading from volume 2, book 4, chapter 18, Paragraphs 573 to 577. Several reflections ago, I reflected on the fact of the Holy Land becoming the Holy Land. These places like the cave and these other sites that the Holy Family made their way to. How was it that they were remembered for the purposes which God had set them apart for? And we heard that today in our reading. There were angels that protected it. Joseph and Mary went back and rediscovered these places. A few interesting things to note in our reading today. The first is that the Holy Family receives the gifts of the Magi, and then they immediately want to give them away. They want to help the poor. Mary and Joseph go back and forth. Who should do it? Mary believes Joseph should. Joseph believes Mary should. The most faithful of husbands answered with this accustomed humility and courtesy that he would leave all to her and would be pleased to see her dispose of them. To dispose, meaning to dispense them, to give them away. Just as Mary as the mediatrix of all grace, dispenses grace because God wishes her to do it. Just like Joseph wished her to give away these things. It's almost in a sense of foreshadowing of this doctrine that we believe in, the mediation of grace. And secondly, we have this poor woman in our reading today, this woman who wants to bring Mary and Joseph and the child into her home. And our reading tells us that Mary did not reveal to her the sacrament that she was connected to. She didn't tell this woman that this infant is the one whom the Magi visited. This woman is reaching out because she sees someone who is in need, and even though from her poverty she will become poorer by doing this, she welcomes them into her home. And just think about that. There's a line from the scriptures that says that if we entertain strangers, that sometimes... We have entertained angels. And isn't that what's almost happening here? That she's taking in complete strangers and she's entertaining the son of God, his most holy mother, her chaste spouse, the angels that were protecting the holy family in that cave. They accompany and go to that home. She is unaware of this supernatural phenomena that is taking place. But she welcomes, invites them, and they take her up on that offer. How blessed that woman was. And I wonder, did she tell that story later? Did she come to full knowledge of what had taken place? So much for us to think about, so much for us to muse about.